Hi friends, welcome to Why We Care. I'm your host Tiffen and I started this podcast because I realized that most people know how to reduce their carbon footprints, but few know how to directly help protect nature and biodiversity. So together we'll explore our relationship with the natural world and learn how we can take better care of Mother Earth in our everyday lives. Happy Ocean Month! World Oceans Day was on June 8th, but we're going to be celebrating the beauty and importance of our oceans together throughout the whole month of June. For this special season of the podcast, I've partnered with community media platform Discover Earth to bring you a series of conversations around our relationship with the oceans and why we need to protect them. Once a week, I'll be speaking with scientists, change makers, and nonprofit organizations to find out how we can start building a more respectful relationship with our oceans and their inhabitants. So whether you've been here since day one or just joined, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you'll enjoy. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Emmy Kane, the managing director of Lonely Whale, a nonprofit organization working to prevent plastic waste from entering the ocean. She told me how we know more about the universe and space than we do about the depth of the oceans, even though that's what is sustaining life on Earth. I actually found out recently that more people have been to the moon than have explored the deepest part of the ocean, which is really crazy when you think about it. Emmy also explained how the health of our oceans ultimately impacts our own health and daily lives. She shared how Lonely Whale is using the power of radical collaboration to support innovation in the fight against plastic pollution through the Tom Ford Plastic Innovation Prize, which you might remember hearing about in episode 4 with Julia March on seaweed as an alternative to plastic. She also shared the cutest story on how she finds hope by restoring her backyard garden in New York City with a friend's daughter who is almost three years old and marvels at how seeds grow and just falls in love with nature for the very first time. If you liked the episode, make sure to follow Lonely Whale on social media and send them a little message to say hi. You can also follow at Why We Care Podcast on Instagram for updates and behind-the-scenes content. Thank you so much in advance and let's dive in. Thank you for caring and sending you lots of love. Hi, Emmy. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Could you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Hi. I'm so glad to be with you as well. Uh, my name is Emmy Kane. I am currently the managing director at Lonely Well. We are a nonprofit that is focused on preventing plastic waste from ending up in the ocean. Um, and my focus really is on, you know, driving forward the programs uh, that support our mission in keeping plastic waste from from ending up in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you. And we'll dive into the kind of plastic aspect a bit later. But the first thing I wanted to ask is, could you share the story behind Lonely Whale's name and logo? Yes, definitely. So Lonely Whale has a really interesting history. So our organization was founded by Adrian Grenier and Lucy Sumner, both of whom are um, you know, entertainment and, and marketing executives that have an incredible um track record for storytelling. And the two of them actually came together over the story of the very real loneliest whale. It's a whale that speaks at 52 hertz, which is unknown to any other whale. And if you know anything about whales, they're very, very um, social creatures. It's very similar to humans in a lot of ways. They like to play and talk and communicate. So you can only imagine a whale that's singing out at a frequency that, that actually can't be understood by others as a very lonesome experience. 
And so the story is what brought Lucy and Adrian together to create Lonely Whale, uh, an organization that was really founded to bring people together over this, you know, shared love of the ocean and shared desire to protect and conserve it for future generations as well. And so we borrow our, our name from that essentially mascot, um, the loneliest whale or the 52 Hertz whales, it's sometimes called, um, which is why you see in our logo, the 52 as well. Um, so kind of a uh, a melancholy story, but also an mm -hmm. incredible way to really rally people together and, um, you know, kind of, again, connect people emotionally to the ocean, which uh, a lot of times can feel very distant to people, especially if you're not seeing it every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's such a such a yeah, sad but beautiful story. And I was researching into it a little bit um a little bit before. And I also read that it's apparently the that specific whale is an unidentified species which I think is also so interesting and kind of alludes to how little the, the fact that we actually know very little about our oceans right and it's only isn't it like five percent of the world's oceans that have been explored and properly mapped so I think it's uh yeah it just goes to show how much how much there is yet to to discover and to explore for us in the oceans and as you were saying how little most people um, know about it. Yeah, it's so fascinating. We know more about our universe and space and and mm -hmm. you know what's out there than we do our own blue planet when the ocean is really what is sustaining life and protecting us from all the human activities that are um, resulting in the changing climate as well. Mm -hmm. And how does the health of the ocean impact our daily lives and the broader environment? Well, so the ocean um, really is what creates the majority of the oxygen on this planet, which is kind of wild. So every other breath that you take actually comes from the ocean, which is wild because we grow up so often thinking that trees are what creates our oxygen, um, when in actuality, of course, you know, they are playing a huge role, but but so is the ocean. Um, the ocean also is our great protector. It sequesters um, the majority of of carbon that's in the world um, that we continue to to create on an annual basis. Um, and it sustains, you know, life in so many different other contexts, including uh, food and uh, enabling shipping routes, et cetera. So the ocean really does connect all of us every single day um, in all of our activities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's so interesting to hear. And I remember when I found out about this, this info that uh, when, I, when I read about the fact that half of the, I think it's even over half of the world's oxygen is produced by phytoplankton in the ocean. I was so surprised to read that because I thought it was just mainly trees, but then it's actually half of it coming from the ocean, which is um, yeah, cra crazy when you think about it. It is so crazy. And I think there's something really beautiful about the way that the world is made up of about 70% ocean and our bodies are also made up of about 70% water. So there's this really beautiful mirror between, you know, our own everyday experience in our physical bodies and the world that also cares and carries us. Um, we have this very similar kind of mirrored uh, reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's uh, a beautiful way of putting it and, and kind of showing how we're all connected to the ocean in some way. And th so then going back to what you were saying before about um, Lonely Whale's mission about plastic pollution, could you share more specifically in what ways plastic pollution is affecting biodiversity? Yeah. So when we first got started back at the end of 2015, so right on the heels of COP21, when the worlds and businesses were really waking up to the fact that, you know, the climate is changing, action is required now, there's no more time to wait. 
we were really, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what is the thing that can connect everybody to really understand that you have agency to positively impact the world around you. And so plastic and specifically single use plastics really became kind of our driving mission. And so we really dialed into that as um, kind of the first step into this broader conversation around climate advocacy and um, ways that you can get involved in, in making a positive difference in the world. And plastic's interesting because we all, you know, have a relationship with it, whether or not it's something that we choose to have a relationship with. Most oftentimes it's not. <laughs> it ends up, you know, delivered at our door and packaging or, um, you know, our takeaway containers or, or what have you, or even in the clothes that we wear, right? The majority of clothes that we wear today are, are actually made of plastic fibers. So it's everywhere. It's, you know, also negatively in the food we drink, in the air that we breathe. So it is something that, you know, similarly to water is now kind of this connecting force um, for all of us. And so, you know, the work that we really do is trying to prevent plastic waste from ending up in the ocean in the first place. And that's because once plastic ends up in the ocean, it's nearly impossible to extract you know, plastic uh, actually collects toxins. So whether it's, you know, toxins that are in the environment um, or otherwise, uh, you know, it, it's very, very difficult to actually remove that waste once it ends up there. So we really are, are focusing on, mm -hmm. um, you know, preventing single-use plastics, working with corporates to really shift their supply chains to intercept what we call ocean-bound plastic before it ends up in a stream, a river, a lake, another waterway. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because once plastic ends up in the ocean, and again, it's a persistent pollutant. It doesn't go away. It harms ecosystems. It harms the plants, the animals at every stage of its production. And then also when it is that waste uh, in the environment. And um, the UN has also called marine debris a, a major stressor, stressor to animals. So we know it's a problem. Um, we know it impacts mm -hmm. uh, the ability for the environment to flourish and to regenerate and replenish itself. And so it's really, really key that we keep plastic from the environment in order to uh, enable and ensure biodiversity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, thank you for sharing that. I think that's super interesting. And I think something good to mention as well, because that's something that maybe not, not a lot of people know. I know I realized this uh, pr pretty recently is that it's not because you don't live near the ocean that um, plastic waste around you would not eventually end up in the ocean, right? Because all the rivers lead to the ocean eventually. So even, I'm guessing and correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess even plastic waste that... Um, you know, find somehow its way into nature in places that are far away from the ocean will then eventually uh, go into waterways and rivers and then lakes and then end up in the ocean ultimately and also affecting all the animals and biodiversity along the way as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly that. Because again, when it breaks down, it might break down into small particles that we can't see with our eyes, but those microplastics are there. They persist, mm -hmm. they'll end up in the groundwater. And then as you mentioned, eventually within, you know, the, the global oceanic, um, you know, waterway as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so you said before that your mission is to prevent plastic waste from entering the ocean. And you've said a little bit already, but could you maybe tell us more about how that mission comes to life and give maybe examples of some of the initiatives you've put in place? Yeah, definitely. So the work that we do kind of spans across three core program areas. Um, the first is our impact campaigning model, which um, is probably what we're most well known for publicly. Um, and what we do is we really kind of take a similar a similar approach to what you would do for a marketing campaign and apply it to the health of the ocean. Um, so for example, back in 2017, we launched a global campaign uh, under the umbrella of Forestralis Ocean. So really trying to wake the world up 
to the issue of single-use plastics through um, what we called our kind of our 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 hero, which was the single-use plastic mm -hmm. straw. And so we really wanted to spark a conversation around the fact that single-use plastics were impacting the ocean and the environment in a negative way, but also to really encourage people um, and businesses, et cetera, to take, to take action by either refusing a single-use plastic straw or uh, swapping that out for an alternative material. We ran a really similar campaign to that with um, the single-use plastic water bottle as well called Hydrate Like. And so that's the program that we have that, again, really kind of follows a lot of, you know, your standard marketing approach to, to create a really broad conversation, pull people in, and then activate different coalition members along the way, including non other nonprofit partners, businesses, and others that um, can really leverage their scale to create uh, impact quickly. The other programs that we have, um, one is on youth, and historically we would bring together young people from all over the world to kind of share that campaigning model with them and empower them to create their own campaigns for change within their communities, whether that was at the scale of their uh, school, their community, um, or even their entire country. Um, we've since, because of COVID, transitioned that model from an in-person um, summit style to actually be an always-on media program that empowers young people not just to share um, you know, the work that they're doing, but to really craft their own story through a publishing platform that's completely youth-produced and really just amplified and supported by our team at Lonely Whale. That's called Awake Media. Um, and then the other programs that we run, one is called Next Wave Plastics, which is a member-driven coalition of multinational brands that are committed to really redesigning and rethinking supply chains by creating the first network of um, ocean-bound plastic supply chains. Ocean-bound plastic is plastic that um, is found within 50 kilometers of a waste stream. So like what you just said, if plastic ends up in a river, it's ultimately impacting the ocean. And so what we're doing with these uh, companies is actually building out infrastructure in issue areas where um, waste management infrastructure doesn't currently exist to intercept that plastic, use it instead of virgin plastic polymer in their products, and really create a market for this material where um, it's it's lagging, if, uh, essentially, too. Um, mm -hmm. And then what that we're running right now, which um, ties into the impact campaign is really waking the world up to thin film plastics. Um, so back in 2020, we launched alongside the Tom Ford team, uh, the Tom Ford Plastic Innovation Prize, which is part of a multi-year program um, that we call Unwrap the Future, where we are sourcing marine safe alternatives to thin film plastics and really scaling them up uh, so that both consumers can champion those and, and demand for change with their favorite businesses. And businesses can also then adopt the, these materials instead of um, thin film plastic, which is uh, primarily made from fossil fuels. So oil, essentially oil and natural gas um, and, and using those in their supply chains instead. And for those of you listening that maybe have no idea what thin film plastic is, um, it's the plastic that can wrap the t-shirts that you get. Um, it can also wrap your sandwich bags, et cetera. It's that thin flat flexible film that comes, um, again, just kind of as like a, uh, uh, an accessory to a lot of the things that we buy and it's not recyclable. Um, it's very difficult to manage and it makes up about half of all plastic leaking into the ocean every single year. So it's a huge problem, but also a huge opportunity to create amazing, amazing change. Mm -hmm. 
That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And I think it's super exciting to see all these innovations coming to life. So yeah, I would encourage our listeners to look into that a bit more if they're interested, because I know that there's some yeah, super exciting and also fun innovation happening with yeah. uh, some of the some of the companies that you've been working with for the for the Plastic Innovation Prize, right? Yes, definitely. And I think you actually spoke to to Julia. Yes, um, I did. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. So she's the, the co-founder of Sway, which was the first place winner actually in the Tom Ford Plastic Innovation Prize. Um, mm-hmm. Using seaweed as a feedstock instead of fossil fuels to create, again, a beautiful regenerative material that can be used instead of traditional plastics, which is just so inspiring to me. And um, I'm so inspired by her and, and her team and the way that she, you know, views the world as one that can be designed for a future with clean seas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. What was the achievement or moment you're most proud of? Gosh, there's so many. I mean, I think, <laughs> um, I, you know, I think the thing for me, when I look back at the the work that I've done with the organization over the last seven years or so, what I'm most proud of is just the, the community that has been established around the work that we're doing. When we started back in 2015, you know, the, the topic of plastic pollution, the topic of um, kind of leaning in and making the conversation cool was not... Um, was not really a thing yet. And now mm-hmm. looking back, it's everybody wants to be involved. You know, everyone's asking, you know, what can I do? How can I take action? What's the most meaningful thing for me to, you know, to um, to stop doing or to start doing every single day? And I, I think for me that that is what I'm most proud of is just knowing that the number of people that we brought into our work as a small team, essentially as a, a startup nonprofit, um, has since bubbled out into this incredible network of change makers that understands their own agency in their communities and are now passing that passion and inspiration on to others too. And I think what really kicked that off was the straw campaign that we ran in, in 2017. It was just mm-hmm. kind of a new way of thinking about advocacy, right? It's, it's um, you know, it, it really is about kind of embedding the conversation culturally, embedding it within your, within your own community. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. I know that Lonely Whale is sponsored by an organization called Rewild. So could you explain what rewilding looks like for our oceans? And also, do you have any specific examples of places that are in the process of being rewilded? Yes. So rewilding, for those of you that don't know, um, it's a term that's starting to to really kind of make uh, make waves now, which is really exciting. And I think a lot of that had to do with with COVID and the fact that we were all inside and we started to see, you know, nature um, kind of reemerging in a way. We saw, you know, deers in the street. We saw, um, you know, flowers overgrowing in certain, you know, parks and, and other more urban areas. And, you know, rewilding is, is usually kind of thought about as this, as this broad scale conservation effort, um, restoring biodiversity and ecosystems all around the world. From an ocean perspective, I think what's really interesting is that when you leave the ocean alone, you know, it does replenish itself. Um, mm-hmm. So even areas that have been, you know, drastically kind of overexploited and, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, populations are on decline. What's really incredible is that, you know, if you just let it rest, it will replenish itself, which I think is beautiful, not not only from a conservation story, but also, again, from that human reflective story, right? I mean, if, if we let ourselves mm-hmm. rest, we can do better work and we can be better versions of ourselves. And a lot of times that is the same in the natural space as well. 
but it's not just about resting. It's also about, you know, reintroducing um, native flora and fauna, uh, you know, to those ecosystems as well. And so uh, as a New Yorker, one example that I just find to be so beautiful and so inspiring is actually the story of the Billion Oyster Project, which is a nonprofit that's based uh, in New York City with the goal of reintroducing a billion oysters to the riverways around Manhattan. Um, mm -hmm. I think they've already achieved a couple, a couple million introduced already, which is really incredible. Wow. Um, it's really key because it, you know, helps not only filter the water and, and help clean up that ecosystem too, but once you actually start to introduce native species again, all of the other things that rely on those uh, on that healthy ecosystem are able to return as well. And so it's this kind of trickle down effect that once you start restoring one thing, um, something else is able to flourish uh, too. So that's just a story that I love um, because again, as I'm crossing from Brooklyn to Manhattan every day and I'm, I'm looking out over the waterways, I just love to know that there are folks out there, um, you know, rewilding the oceans through oysters and through partnerships with young people and through, um, through restaurants, et cetera. So that's a, a great one. I definitely encourage listeners to look it up. Mm -hmm. Okay, amazing. Um, so I'll make sure to include the link to that in the show notes for people who want to look into it. And I think it's really interesting and exciting to hear. And because I, I know I, I knew a little bit about rewilding uh, on land, but I, I hadn't really thought about the fact that it can also happen in the oceans. And then uh, you're right that it does. Nature has a way of, of bouncing back really, really beautifully and, and really easily as well. I feel if we just give it um, space and, and as you said maybe like a little bit of help or like a little push in the right direction so that's definitely something to be um, hopeful about and then you told me as well that radical collaboration is one of the founding principles of Lonely Whale could you explain what that means and how that manifests across your programs yeah so I touched on this a little bit earlier too just you know what what I'm most proud of is the community I think that we've been able to build and and that was really because of our guiding principle of radical collaboration. When we started, we were a tiny team of three people, um, plus our, our co-founders, which, you know, to try to solve the global issue of plastic pollution um, is tiny in comparison. And so mm -hmm. everything that we did from the very, very outset was all about pulling other people in to support our work, really looking outside ourselves and understanding, you know, who has the propensity to join us? Um, you know, who do we need to be able to um, help champion the stories and also evolve the conversations that we're having to be able to reach different communities too. And so the way that that shows up across our work, um, you know, is it, kind of, you know, multifaceted, I would say, but everything that we do is is done in partnership. And so I think the Tom Ford Plastic Innovation Prize is one really great example of that. We have about 50 different stakeholders um, that have been involved in the prize and are continued to be involved in our forthcoming accelerator program. That's everyone from the Tom Ford team to the Estee Lauder companies. Um, we had 19 different judges that were, you know, committed to sitting around the table and deliberating, you know, which solution would be the best to put forward into market. Um, we had two different research institutes, the Seattle Aquarium and the New Materials Institute out of the University of Georgia that were working on, um, you know, bringing their, their, their research expertise to the table as well. And so that's just, again, one model of showcasing how important it is to look outside of yourself and to bring others in. Um, 
to really scale change much, much more quickly, but also to ensure that there is diversity of thought at the table and a diversity of experience as well, too. Because again, you know, we all bring so much, but together we can really, really push the narrative and push the change forward much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think it it does make so much sense when when you um when you think about it. And I remember that's something that also really stayed with me from my conversation with Julia from Sway was that this idea that um yeah, it, it's a really collaborative space. And even with um she was telling me, even with organizations that are developing solutions that are similar to what they are doing at Sway, they still perceive it as more of a collaboration rather than a competition because she said, we just need all hands on deck to solve this. And so we need as many people as possible working on these and and as many solutions as possible being kind of tested and and brought to life. So um, I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it and definitely something that I guess needs to be applied across all sectors, right? If if we're to help nature bounce back and, and kind of solve or... Yeah, get get make the climate crisis a little bit um, better. Totally, and I think the thing to remember too is that, you know, the 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 people are not separate from planet, and I think we've mm. we've all kind of woken up to that concept so much in the last couple of years with, you know, the rise of um, intersectional environmentalist theory really entering the conversation. But it's just so important to know that everybody needs to be involved because this is not just a fight for our planet. It's also a fight for our own health and wellness, um, for, you know, our individual selves, our communal selves. So the more people that we can have involved, um, again, just the better off we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, something else I wanted to ask is that obviously, as with a lot of um, environmental issues, we really need systemic change to happen, which I feel like is also something that you're working on at Lonely Will when you say you're working with corporations and everything. But then in your view, what are three simple things that listeners can start doing today in their own lives to lower their impact on biodiversity and specifically on the ocean and on all the creatures that live in the oceans? Yep. Such a good question. I'm sure some of these things will be um, not new news to anybody who's <laughs> listening, but I, but I think, you know, first and foremost, just starting by, you know, skipping single use whenever you can is super mm-hmm. critical, right? When we talked about, you know, plastic ending up in the environment and impacting biodiversity, it's such a, and not always an easy way, but it's a very tangible way to at least reduce your own impact on the environment. Another thing is to eat low on the food chain. You know, if you do eat seafood, try to eat things like anchovies and sardines or or shellfish or other things that are, um, you know, kind of, again, lower on that triangle than something, say, like a swordfish. Um, so that's a, another way to start as well. And I think one of the, the ways for me that is most empowering is just to get really active in your community. And that's a really maybe theoretical way to, to say it, but you know, when it, when it comes down to it, you know, start by going on walks around your community, understanding, you know, where is the biodiversity showing up? Where are the storm drains that are connecting to the oceans? Are they filled with plastic? Um, does your community need community cleanups, right? We talk about beach cleanups all the time, but sidewalk cleanups are just as important because again, everything's connected. And I think mm-hmm. once you start there, it's so easy to understand where the issue areas lie and what else you can do. Maybe it's getting active in your own town hall or or supporting your local council members. And so I think as an act as small as just going on a walk every day really helps to get you connected with your own natural environment and your own community in a way that I think is, is so empowering and, and inspiring. Mm-hmm. And then 
One other thing that I would always share for people too is advocate, use your voice. There is really incredible push right now to protect 30% of the ocean by 2030. Uh, it's this goal that uh, oftentimes folks refer to as 30 by 30. There's a couple different petitions that are floating out there. One I would suggest um, signing is coming from the organization Only One. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so important to, to make your voice heard and to tell global leaders that we need this con conservation of the world's oceans that, you know, as we've talked about, are vital to our everyday existence um, and are just drastically underprotected right now. Less than 3% of the world's ocean is protected. So we need action. We need it now. Um, and all of us have, again, a voice to use and, and to, to kind of throw into the ring, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Okay, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's super helpful and a very kind of tangible action point. So I will include the um, the link to that petition in the show notes. Please, everyone go and sign it. That's something really easy. You can do it only takes a few seconds of your time. And then I love what you said as well about going out in your community and kind of just finding, you know, how you can help in whatever way works for you. I think that's a really important point that I've also heard from other guests that I spoke with is there's not one way of helping or not one way of, you know, being an activist or just doing your bit and it can take many forms. And I think um, it's a beautiful reminder that you can just go out and see see what um, sparks your interest or what sparks something in you that you might feel like you might be able to help or have a solution for something and then start from that. I think that's, uh, yeah, a really good point. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, I think it's such an important reminder, right? It's just find mm -hmm. what find what your agency is, what your superpower is, and and just use that, right? It, you could be, it's again, it could be after hours, it could be at work. Um, there's just there's so much room for change and for impact to happen. And I think it's just it starts with whatever inspires you and wherever you have that um, that agency. Mm -hmm. Love that. And so finally, on a more personal note, how do you manage to stay positive and where do you find hope? Gosh, these days I've been finding a lot of hope and positivity in my garden. I've been working on um, restoring our backyard garden that, you know, again, I live in New York mm -hmm. City, so it's pretty interesting. You dig like <laughs> two or three inches down and all of a sudden there's incredible debris from previous construction sites and whatever else was happening on this land. Um for decades before I arrived here, uh, which is kind of wild, but I've been spending mm -hmm. a lot of time trying to learn more about uh, native plants and how to bring pollinators to my garden. And really awesomely, I've not been doing that alone, but I've been doing it with um, uh, a, a friend's daughter who is almost three years old and just spending oh. hours and hours in the dirt with her, showing her that this is what happens when you plant a seed and you come back three three days and three weeks later, and you can really see growth and change and just reframing your mind to, you know, kind of where we all started, right. That, that origin story of what really inspired us to take action or to fall in love with nature for the first time has, has given me a lot of hope and positivity because I think as, as adults or as people in this space, it can become so tiresome or frustrating and just to be able to take yourself out of that kind of space and really ground yourself in nature and with the next generation that's inheriting this earth and just reminding yourself of the beauty of the imagination and of, of all the positivity that, uh, or sorry, all the possibility, I should say, that comes with positivity um, is just, it's so important and, and has been such a healthy reminder for me. 
Mm -hmm. Wow, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I think that's a, a beautiful way to end this conversation. Um, thank you so much. I mean, it was such an interesting conversation. I learned a lot and I feel like um, our listeners did as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so lovely. Always um, so inspiring to just be in conversation with other folks. So thank you for holding the space. Thank you, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you can, please don't forget to share the episode around you so we can get even more people to join the movement. A big thank you as well to Discover Earth for partnering with Why We Care and helping raise awareness of the importance of ocean conservation. You can find me on Instagram at Why We Care Podcast to share your thoughts. Um, it's always lovely to hear from you, so please feel free to message me. Thank you for caring and see you next week. Lots of love.